4: Man of my dreams Tell me where are you Where are you
5: now The Eurotrip, when I read that I was immediately thinking of the movie Do you know the movie?
4: <laughs> Hi, I'm Leanne
5: Hello Leanne uh,
6: Leanne, are you a Eurotrip podcast listener?
4: I am, yes! <laughs> I, I should say I met some Eurotrip fans here I was chatting with people outside the entrance and they said Oh, are you are you fellow fist? And I said, yeah I know you're from the Eurotrip
3: What did you have for breakfast?
4: It was lot
0: I, I did not have a kebab for breakfast.
3: Queen Lorene, Eurovision winner, did you ever think you would be back here again?
0: I get goosebumps. No way!
3: Martin Ostadar, Executive Supervisor at the Eurovision Song Contest,
6: welcome to the Eurotrip. Thank you very much. Welcome back, I think it is, right?
3: Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And this week, although we weren't planning to be with you for an episode, uh, we are back because, as you probably know, there's been some huge news from the UK and the BBC uh, for Eurovision 2024. Safe to say, it was very unexpected. I'm sure you,
6: like me, like James, were minding your own business on Saturday evening, enjoying one of the last weekends before Christmas. And then the BBC dropped it on Strictly Come Dancing, their most popular show of the year, the Strictly Come Dancing final. They revealed, or rather he himself revealed, Ollie Alexander will be representing the UK at the Eurovision Song Contest in 2024. Somebody with two number one albums as years and years, a number one single as well. Seems too good to be true. Who knows, James?
3: Maybe in Malmo we'll find out it is. But until then... <laughs> Let's keep the positivity flowing. Yeah, it was a huge surprise, wasn't it? I don't think anybody saw it coming when he appeared on our screens. Just to read out the terms and conditions for the Strictly Voting, I think it was. We just didn't have a clue it was coming. Uh, So we're back. We're back for an episode to debrief it all, to react to it all. And we'll be hearing from Ollie himself to get his reaction to being chosen to represent the UK next year. So you'll hear from Oli himself, you'll also hear from
6: Daniel Rosny, you might remember Daniel as the host of the BBC's Eurovision cast in the run-up to the contest in Liverpool and we'll also hear James from Nick Levine, you might remember Nick, he was the music journalist that exclusively revealed on this podcast that Rena Sawiyama said yes
3: to Eurovision 2023. Yeah, so we've got all that and more to come, you're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, this is the Eurotrip. James, I feel like, hopefully you can hear this
6: listening, there is already a sense of excitement from the pair of us, given that, as we've already said, we weren't expecting to do this episode, the news came over the weekend, and we knew that we had to put something together in the run-up to Christmas, because we knew that you were desperate for it, you said on (laughs) socials, you were like, where's the emergency bonus episode? Well, as you've come to know from us, we are here on a Wednesday, as usual, but it is anything but a usual
3: episode. Yes, indeed. Uh, we we do have a, a Christmas treat lined up for you, which is going to now come next week. It was going to come this week, but uh, we have postponed that. It's a, a long feature-length sit-down interview that Rob has done, uh, which is going to be a great treat, which comes, what, two days after Christmas. Uh, so a nice little late Christmas treat.
6: Yeah, if you are... One of those people who likes going for a long walk between Christmas and New Year to walk off the Christmas dinner, or maybe you are going to recline on the sofa with some cheese. That episode <laughs> is is the perfect, uh, the perfect accompaniment for that, details of which to come. But until then, James, we have a very important job to do on the episode today because Ollie Alexander is representing the UK at Eurovision, and it turns out the rumours were true.
3: Yes indeed we will get into it all very very soon but first let's hear from Ollie himself and the moment he announced that he is the UK's entry for Eurovision next year please welcome the truly magnificent Ollie Alexander <laughs>
4: Calls to the short number from a mobile cost 15p, calls to the long number cost 15p, plus your network's access charge, and please ask the bill payer's permission. Please don't try to vote if you're watching on demand. Thank you
3: so much. Now, Ollie,
4: you have some news for us, and if it's all right with you,
1: could we have a drum roll, please?
4: I do, Claudia. Yes, I can exclusively reveal, I will be representing the UK, at the Eurovision Song (laughs) Contest.
6: We said it in the intro, like, such a surprise. He just rocks up to read out the terms and conditions, reveals he's doing Eurovision, and uh,
3: genuine, I think, excitement from all of the strictly contestants and, and professional dancers as well. Because we should say on Strictly Come Dancing, if you're a listener from outside of the UK, they usually do bring out a celebrity. It's a, it's a bit of a, a quirk of Strictly Come Dancing. They bring out a celebrity to read out the terms and conditions for voting. It's just one of those quirks of the programme. So I don't think anybody, you know, read anything into it when he came through the, the secret curtain until Claudia said, and I think you've got an announcement of your own. And he certainly did. He certainly <laughs> did. Well, James, let's not waste any more time. Let's hear from
6: the man himself. Now, Ollie Alexander, of course, has been out there. He's been chatting about representing the UK at the Eurovision Song Contest. And one of the outlets he's spoken to is BBC Radio 1's Newsbeat programme here in the UK. Now, Pete Allison is the journalist at Radio 1 Newsbeat who has chatted to Ollie. Pete is a good friend to us here on the EuroTrip podcast. We've spoken to him a few times in the past. And Pete has so generously... Given us his interview with Ollie to play for you here on the podcast today. So here's what happened when Pete and Ollie caught up for BBC Radio 1's Newsbeat earlier in the week.
5: Hello, UK Eurovision Act for 2024, Ollie Alexander. <laughs>
4: It's me. I can't believe it.
5: Has it sunk in anymore over the last couple of days?
4: Do you know what? It's quite crazy because I've obviously known for a couple of months that I'm going to be doing it. But now that it's out there, like the world knows, it feels kind of different. It feels like, oh, so it's, it's really happening now, but it still feels a bit like a dream.
5: <laughs> I still haven't heard from you. What's that moment like when you're told, like, yeah, you're the act. Where were you when you found out? What was that conversation?
4: Uh, like, well, I was actually walking down the street. I can't remember where I was. I think i just maybe gone somewhere my management my managers called me and um they were they facetimed me and i could see their faces as soon as i picked up the call and they i was like oh i knew what it was instantly but nothing needed to be said just just screaming the <laughs> fact that they were
5: ringing was enough Love yes that.
4: yeah 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 just the, the fact i could see their faces it was like it's happening <laughs>
5: <laughs> so where are you at with planning it because so much of your vision obviously the song is incredibly important but the look of it the production of it what people will see on the night what you wear everything is a really as i'm sure you're already very aware very important so where are you at with it
4: very important so the planning it started now I've started training, started hula hooping. Not that I'm going to be hula hooping on stage, but, you know, just for like some cardio. Okay, good, good. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you need to get everything ready like quite soon before the actual show. Um, so, yeah, the planning is beginning now. It's going to be, just has to be spectacular. Just trying to see what we can get away with in uh, in three minutes on that stage.
5: Yeah, three minutes and strictly no more, of course. Exactly. Um, Now, Big Eurovision fans may have heard you being rumoured before this year, like you've been mentioned, you've been in the mix, whether that's like reached you personally, I don't know. But have you been in the mix before or or, like have those conversations happened or was this brand new this year?
4: No, that's right. They did happen before, actually. A couple of years back, I was, it was almost going to happen for me to represent the UK but I took myself out of the consideration because I didn't have the right song. It just didn't it wasn't the right time. It didn't work out. And um but this time I came with the song. Um and it just felt right. So yeah, I'm excited that this time it's happening.
5: Yay. Um, now, we spoke to Sam Ryder on Friday. Lovely Sam. Lovely Sam. I got the authentic Sam Ryder experience. What well, a lovely man. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, he did talk about how, like, in future years, he hoped that other kind of new artists would be given the opportunity that he was given um, as an up-and-coming artist. Now, you are you are not that. We know Ali, Ali Alexander. We know yeah. years and years. Like, what would you say to anyone, like, surprised, maybe, at an established artist being chosen?
4: Oh, well I think something like Eurovision, it's just actually an amazing opportunity. And I really just see it like that. It doesn't really matter what kind of what stage you are you're at as an artist. It's, if it's something you want to do. Like I would just have always wanted to do it. Um, then I just think it's an amazing opportunity. Um and I think it's all about fun and joy and I think yeah. That's all it is, really. I'm just excited. Of course. Now, tell us
5: what the next couple of months are look- looking like for you then, because uh, a bit of a break from Eurovision planning over Christmas or is it all out?
4: Um, I Well, actually, when I found out the news, my first question was like, oh, I do have a holiday booked over New Year's Eve. <laughs> can I still go on that? <laughs> um, but I can. I'm allowed to go away. So I'm going to have a little break for 10 days. Um, and then, well, a long break. I've not had a long, that longer break in a long time. But then I'm coming home and it's going to be straight, straight to it. Yeah, I've got a lot to do.
5: And what is the one piece? Of, have you spoken to the likes of Sam Ryder and May Muller? Have they given you any advice? Anyone who's pef- represented other countries, maybe? Have they given you any heads up ahead of what's to come?
4: Oh, I've had messages from Sam and May, just like really lovely, supportive, like, you're going to do great, just like make the most of the experience. Um, and I want to, yeah, get into it with, with both of them and just have a little chat. Um, but it's amazing to be part of a legacy like that. It feels like we're a little Eurovision family, you know, and I'm, I just feel so like lucky to, to be doing it.
1: <laughs> You're listening to The EuroTrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast. When you are not listening, find us on social media at EuroTrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram.
3: A huge thanks, we should say again, first of all, to Pete, Alison from Radio 1 and Radio 1 themselves for, for allowing us to uh, play that interview in full here on the Euro trip. And Rob, just huge levels of excitement from Ollie. You can just feel that energy coming through already. And we're still, what, like six months away, five or six months away from the contest. You can tell he really wants to do it. I mean,
6: obviously he really wants to do it because he's doing it. But, you know, he was talking to Pete, wasn't he, in that interview and that chat there about the time when he almost did do it in the past. Just think how
3: different our history at Eurovision could have been had it happened, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah, we should break this down, shouldn't we? We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, uh, but Ollie himself said there that he was in the running a couple of years ago. And we can say that this was back in 2022. It was either going to be him or Sam Ryder, and as Ollie says, he took himself out of it because he didn't feel like he was ready. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe the BBC went for Sam, or we we simply don't know. we've not heard from from both sides of uh, of the story. But it's it shows from from Ollie that he's always been interested, uh, and and also he doesn't see this as a as a gamble or or as a risk, which we've definitely seen in Eurovision over the past few years that for artists it has been and I I still find myself falling into this trap by saying for artists it is a gamble and it is a risk but I don't know about you Rob but do you feel now that we should try and get ourselves out of that habit of saying Eurovision is a risk because it isn't a huge risk really anymore is it?
6: I think if you look at the scale of the thing now, I think if you look at where Eurovision has come in the last few years, especially since the pandemic, if you look at the the size of the audience that, of course, you are putting yourself in front of when you are representing your country at the Eurovision Song Contest, but I think if you look at the goodwill that there is now towards the Eurovision Song Contest, it is very much less a figure of fun, which it was for so long, of course, here in the UK. It is seen as an honour to represent your country at the Eurovision Song Contest. It's a huge perception shift. It's something we'll we'll chat. When, it's something we'll talk about when we chat to to the guests that are joining us today as well. But it's a huge shift here in the UK, and one that thankfully seems to have no end to it at the moment. It doesn't seem to be fizzling out. There was worries, wasn't there? Of course, understandably, that when when May finished, was it twenty fifth out of twenty six in Liverpool that well, who's going to want to represent the UK next year? And especially in the summer, of course, James, when we heard that the the deal with TAP, the record label, had ended, there were worries and concerns, understandably, about what that might mean. But it turns out that the BBC were all over it. They already, by the sounds of things, had an artist lined up. They knew who they wanted. And we are in a position where the UK act and song, by the sounds of things, is ready to go. And it's not
3: even Christmas yet. Yeah, it's going to be a huge moment, I think. We we saw, I think, was it back end of August or was it September, wasn't it, when the BBC confirmed participation for, for 2024, that they said that the the process for choosing an artist and a song had taken place over the summer. So at that point, we kind of had an inkling that the deal had already been done with whoever it was going to be. And the fact that we know it is Ollie, it's an established artist, which we haven't had for a long time. We have to go back to what, 2013, I guess, with Bonnie Tyler, who was an established artist, but definitely more of a heritage artist. But for Ollie, he is an established artist and he is still current. He's still mainstream. So for him, he said in that interview with Pete that we just heard, that for him, it's an amazing opportunity. You know, rewind two or three years ago. You couldn't imagine Somebody who in the past five or six years who's had top 10 singles or a number one album saying, yeah, I want to do Eurovision because it's an amazing opportunity. They'd probably say, oh, well, I don't know if I'd give Eurovision a go because it's a huge risk or it's a huge gamble. Just look at where we've come in the last few years. We've got some brilliant experts to talk to on the podcast today. We mentioned them in the opener.
6: We've got Daniel Rosny coming up in, in just a moment, who, of course, was the host of the BBC's Eurovision Cast podcast in the run-up to the contest in Liverpool. A huge Eurovision fan, and, and he knows Ollie well as well. And Nick Levine as well, the music journalist. will be chatting to James a little bit later on. But James, the UK at the time that we are recording for the first time in in decades are the favorite to win the Eurovision song contest. Now I <laughs> I say that with a pinch of salt because of course I think what we only have like eight acts and one song basically. But it's not happened before and it shows that there is positivity from the rest of Europe as well when you see the name Ollie Alexander representing the UK there is excitement building for the release of that song as well for the release of the entry Talking of the song, I just wanted to play you this clip as well. This was on the Magic Breakfast Show, so another radio station here in the UK. And he was asked by the hosts, Ronan Keating, of course, host of Eurovision 1997, uh, and also Harriet Scott, if he could describe his song. I said, if your song were a cocktail, what cocktail would it be? Let's have a listen.
3: If it
5: was a drink, uh, what kind of a drink would it be? Let's think of it in terms of...
4: Oh, oh, cocktails. It, it might yeah. be like a... Frozen margarita. Yeah, or maybe a frozen margarita or like an amaretto salad.
2: Sour. Oh yeah. Oh, you've spun it. I had a different idea in my yeah. head. I know you said
5: that. Yeah. I think I know what it is. Oh, I, got it. <laughs> I love
1: that.
4: Sweet, sour, a little bit frothy, a little bit exciting. You know, that's like vibe. Oh, I nice. nice.
6: I mean, James, I've never had an amaretto sour, so I don't really know. But the fact there is sour in there tells you that I don't know. It's it's
3: gonna gonna leave a memorable aftertaste and hopefully a good one. Yeah, and we've not mentioned his name yet, which is the songwriter, so Danny L. Hall, who is a huge name in the songwriting business. And if you've heard Dua Lipa's latest single, Houdini, he is one of the people behind that. So I feel like we are definitely going to get a high-tempo pop song. He's ruled out a ballad, hasn't he? Ollie has ruled out that it's going to be a ballad. So if it's not a ballad, we kind of know what Ollie's known for, and it's high-tempo, high-energy really infectious pop music isn't it
6: watch the uk get drawn to perform first half already the Scenes. The <laughs> i'll be fuming if that happens but as we know james we've seen people win from the first half before i'm getting ahead of myself aren't i <laughs> anyway shall we hear from the first of the two guests that are joining us on the podcast today so this is daniel rosny host of the bbc's eurovision cast in the run-up to the contest in Liverpool in 2023. We sat down, Daniel of course is a huge Eurovision fan himself, and I asked Daniel what the selection of Ollie Alexander to represent the UK means for both the UK and for Eurovision
0: as a whole. Two things, it means that he's finally gotten to do it because we know that he was in conversations to represent the UK a few years ago, it didn't happen, Um I was told that was the year Sam Ryder got to do it. So obviously we're huge fans of Sam. We're really pleased that Sam got to do it. Um, but the second thing is, I think it shows that the UK is still building on its success post Sam Ryder, post Liverpool. And the fact that somebody like Ollie Alexander wants to do it, doesn't have to be convinced to do it, wants to do it, is a good sign. And it is kind of mirrored, with what other countries do you know other countries send big pop stars and for uh a lot of years in the uk the uk sent new singers who some are good some were great some didn't do as well in the leaderboard as we might have hoped so i think this can only be a good thing but we have rob only got eight artists at the time of recording and i think only two songs and it's a song contest and we've not yet heard the song but i think this is this can only be great
6: and the reaction as well that we've seen not just obviously from uk fans actually let's talk about uk fans first of all we'll talk about the the rest of europe and and the rest of the world in a minute but talking about uk fans i would say this is one of if not the most universally positive reactions to a, a uk artist reveal that we've had for a long time as long as i can remember anyway
0: I think if you compare it to, say, this year with May Muller, there was such anticipation. And the UK was one of the last countries to reveal who it was sending. And I think because this was such a shock, nobody there was no tease that there was going to be an announcement. Um, and I think because it was revealed on one of the biggest entertainment shows for the BBC in the UK everybody's got excited and it's a great early christmas present so i have a confession that i knew it was being revealed on saturday and i hadn't seen any of this year's strictly come dancing episodes so i was texting my mum throughout it giving my review of some of the dances and then when it was revealed that Ollie was doing Eurovision she replied and was like I did wonder why you were watching it and (laughs) it's such a big moment though isn't it and and you're
6: kind of uniquely placed to talk about this obviously having hosted Eurovision cast for the BBC over the course of the lead up to to the contest in Liverpool just talking about the BBC's buy-in I suppose for the contest but also to talk about that general momentum in the UK for Eurovision right now which understandably, there might have been a few concerns after, of course, May's result in, in Liverpool didn't go as well as it. it could could have done. But, you know, Eurovision and the Eurovision train continues to kind of to ride really strongly at the moment, doesn't it, in this country?
0: I think, unfortunately for May, statistically, and I think you and I have spoken about this before, I've never been able to work out why, but the host country tends to do badly the year it's hosting, for reasons that I've never been able to understand. With all with the Alexander... Doing it this year, uh, I just, I think it gives a lot of hope. And also to those who, naysayers that are like, oh, it doesn't really matter. This year, the BBC achieved its biggest audience ever for the Eurovision Song Contest. So regardless of placing, obviously it would be amazing to win because the UK hasn't won for more than 25 years. But I think regardless of that, I think that this year showed to British TV viewers that It's a fantastic competition. And, you know, being in Sweden next year, it's going to be phenomenal. We know SVT know how to put on a good show. It's obviously 50 years since ABBA won it. I think the interest next year will still be as high, if not higher, as it was when it was in Liverpool.
6: It's fascinating, isn't it, that ABBA here in the UK and Oli Alexander are on the same record label as well, which is just another fascinating layer to all of this.
0: It is. And what's really exciting, I think, for Oli is that Obviously, he's released music since, I think, 2015, under years and years. And this is his first time where he's releasing it under Ollie Alexander. So we might get a different artist, really. You know, he's a fantastic stage performer. He's got huge experience performing at Glastonbury, performing at the Brit Awards. So he knows how to perform on those big moments. And I think in the past, the... UK entry hasn't had that experience you know if my closest comparison I don't know about you would probably be blue the last time we sent someone as big as Ollie Alexander and blue came 11th
6: and hopefully somebody tells Ollie that the Friday night matters right
0: (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) um but I think I think that this is only going to be a good thing and by people talking about it now what five months ahead of the competition it just makes it really exciting
6: Daniel, the question that I feel like I was going to ask you years, I was going to say years and years ago, that was a very unintended pun, <laughs> was also, we talked about the reaction in the UK, but obviously the reaction overseas is, is what counts, the reaction in Europe, and that also seems to have been really, really positive.
0: Yeah, I think... For Eurovision fans outside of the UK, (laughs) they were probably as shocked as British Eurovision fans that it was announced so early. Um, And, you know, he's well known and be that through years and years. Also, he was in that fantastic drama, It's a Sin, which I know was watched abroad as well. Um, But I think that you are right. It does matter. And I'm purely speculating. I've got no idea. But I wonder if he could be performing at some national finals as like the guest, which we've seen other countries do but because the uk tends to be one of the last countries to announce who its artist is we've not had that in recent years so who knows like, it's pure speculation got no idea but it's exciting
6: daniel it is always a joy i'm sure you'll crop up doing plenty of other eurovision bits and bobs between now and may and i'm sure we'll get you back on the podcast as well so thank you so much for uh, for joining us
0: on the euro trip always a pleasure Welcome back
3: to the Eurotrip Podcast, where we are reacting uh, and getting all of the analysis possible on that announcement that we got at the weekend that Oli Alexander will represent the UK at Eurovision next year, so 2024, in Malmö, in Sweden. And let us know your thoughts
6: as well, of course. You know, we've seen the excitement out there from you on social, but let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you think of anything you're going to hear in this episode or have already heard in this episode. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok as well, of course you can send us an email hello at eurotrippodcast.com James I just wanted to bring you a tweet that I saw I think it was on Sunday morning um, after of course the announcement on Saturday evening And um, it was somebody, I think it was Matthew on Twitter, was saying something on the lines of, you all need to know that I found this news out while drunk on a London tube train at three (laughs) in the morning and started screaming in the carriage, which I enjoy very much. The idea that you would just be scrolling your phone, understandably, as presumably a lot of people were because we weren't expecting the news and you just find it out and, and you that can't keep your emotions to yourself <laughs> uh, can i bring you a tweet but one of my own only just because oh. i'm a reference to it because... yes you can i was going to do this tweet i think but i could i neither had the
3: time or the energy to do it but i'm pleased you did go on <laughs> Because on Saturday night, I was with Callum, uh, who obviously writes all of our stuff on EurotripPodcast.com. And we were trying to figure out whether Ollie was the earliest UK act to be announced uh, for Eurovision. We normally have to wait till February or March, don't we? Or in the past, there used to be a national final, so we had to wait for a similar time. But obviously, we've got this in December so we <laughs> we went through the newspaper archives late on a Saturday evening. You know everything. how to live on a Saturday evening in the run-up to
6: Christmas. Other people <laughs> are at their Christmas parties, other people are at their pub, they're enjoying the
3: telly. No, no, James and Callum were going through the newspaper archive. Which was a treat, I must admit. I can share some of the the newspaper clippings with you another time. I can see you're desperate for the mob, uh, but I can tell you that <laughs> I can tell you that Ollie is actually only the twelfth earliest UK act to be announced. So there's eleven. Please, please don't tell us in order the other eleven. <laughs> no, I do have the list. I can share it again another time. And um, but in fact, uh, Sonia, who represented the UK in 1993, was announced. On the 30th of August, 1992, which is a whopping 258 days, which which I'm now thinking about, is closer to the previous Eurovision than the Eurovision she was going to see, yes. significantly closer to the previous Eurovision, which is just remarkable. So yes, it is, an, it is an early announcement from the BBC, but certainly not the earliest we've ever had. Very good stats. I, uh, you know, I took
6: the mick out of you there. But, uh, in jest. <laughs> very, 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 very impressed with that. And also excellent turn from yourself on, uh, on the BBC News channel over the weekend. Well done.
3: Oh, yes. Uh, Thanks very much. If you indeed saw me, then apologies. Apologies for the jumper. Uh, I was going out for a Christmas dinner straight afterwards. So sorry for the the awful (laughs) Christmas jumper I was wearing. Uh, Anyway. James Rowe, media personality. (laughs) Uh, Shall we then uh, turn to Nick Levine, who is a wonderful music journalist. We last spoke to him on the podcast uh, over the summer when the BBC and tap music parted ways. And it was at that moment he told us that... uh, that his exclusive was that Rina Sawayama had been asked to do Eurovision for 2023. Uh, but that deal didn't come through. Maybe, just maybe, we might see Rena do it for the BBC in a few years' time. Who knows? Maybe Rena will be uh, on backing for Ollie. Has anyone <laughs> thought about that? Oh, you've planted the seed now, haven't you? Anyway, let's chat to Nick. Let's get his thoughts. He has obviously got his ear to the ground in uh, in the music scene here in the UK. And I started off by asking him if he, like me, like you, was also surprised by the announcement made on Saturday night.
2: Yeah, like, I mean, I, was, I don't watch strictly religiously. I kind of watch as many episodes um, of each series as, you know, I'm in on Saturday night, basically. But I was watching the final. And I obviously saw they brought out Ollie to read out the phone numbers the way they bring out um, a different celebrity each week and just thought, oh, that's a cute thing for him to do. So when he announced he's doing your original, I was like, whoa, like I really wasn't expecting that at all. It didn't even like cross my mind.
3: And was this not on your radar whatsoever? I know we've had sort of a, a rumour of him for the last two, two or three years, maybe. But I guess was this not even on your radar to
2: be coming out as an announcement anytime soon? Not anytime soon. Like I had, obviously, like we've seen reports in, in the newspapers about Ollie being considered and his name has been in the mix for the last couple of years. And I had heard from a friend or a friend that he was in the mix again this year. So I kind of, that thought was in the back of my mind. I just didn't think it would be announced this early. And what
3: was your initial reaction where, when you heard the news that it's, that first of all, it's him and it's finally across the line after a couple of years of rumours, but also the fact that it is so early. What was your initial
2: reaction? I thought it was really exciting that he's thrown his name into the, to the ring so early. I think it shows that he really means business. Often we wait till kind of February or March, which still is quite a big lead up, gives you three months. But this just suggests that he it really is going to be his sole focus from now until May, um, which is really exciting. And, you know, he's a smart choice. I think BBC is always, always looking for an artist who they can support on all their platforms. And I think what's great about Ollie is he's an artist who... They will play on Radio One, but he also works for the Radio Audience, So the two huge stations can get wholeheartedly behind him like they did with May. Um, So I think he makes a lot of sense for that reason. And generally about Ollie,
3: because he is not a new artist. And in the past few years, we've had newish artists or artists who are wanting to try and establish themselves. But for Ollie, we know him as a musician. We know him as an actor. He is a household name in music and in television. Do you think this is... I don't know. A lot of the time we often think it's a risk for an artist, but for Ollie, he is either very confident or doesn't see it as a risk at all.
2: I guess maybe he sees it as a calculated risk. I think what was really interesting um, in the BBC's announcement that they put out straight after Strictly is that they made a the point of saying this is the first time he's going to release music as Ollie Alexander. He's best known as the frontman of years and years, but actually the last years and years album was a solo project. The other two bandmates left and Ollie said he was kind of so attached to the name of Years and Years. And obviously he'd built up a kind of a following under Years and Years that he didn't want to leave it. Um, So it's interesting that for this, it's going to be the first time he actually releases music as himself. Um, So I guess if you look at it from his point of view, he's associated with a popular band. He's also had success under his own name as an actor and maybe doing Eurovision, you know, the biggest stage in the world is a great way of like pulling that together and launching himself as Ollie the, the solo artist. Uh, we've got to talk about the
3: the songwriter, at least one of them. I don't think we've we found out if there's any more on there, but uh, Danny L. Hall, uh, I think the name is, uh, who most recently has written for Dua
2: Lipa and her newer single Houdini. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, and he's worked a lot with Charlie XCX. It's a very he's a very cool contemporary choice. That to me suggests we're going to get a song that will work for the charts. I would imagine it's going to be an upbeat song, um, a club club ready song um, that Ollie can do a kind of full. 360 degrees big splashy performance too I mean this is just me completely (laughs) but that would be from Ollie's point of view that seems to make the most sense like he's really capable of putting on a big performance I think if anyone saw um when he did like the BBC's New Year's show a couple of years ago he put on you know some big performances with quite a kind of forward thinking kind of queer aesthetic I mean not you wouldn't call it necessarily forward thinking if you saw it in like a, a gay club in East London but for you know BBC One um, on New Year's Eve it was definitely pushing the envelope and if anyone saw his um, Glastonbury performance last year as well where he kind of had like um, these revolving, revolving like public toilets where he was kind of riding around and he's very capable of like pushing the envelope in quite a kind of witty and queer way not saying he's going to do that Eurovision but I he can put on a big performance and I presume if he's going to do Eurovision that's what he's going to go for and in terms of the performance obviously that is a huge aspect
3: of it but also the live vocals as well and that is a big thing we always look at
2: and listen out for in the run-up what is he like as a live vocalist you know he's got a really lovely vocal tone and I think probably early on in years and years some of the live vocal performances were better than others but I think in recent years he's really He knows how to use his voice live um, and he's put in some really, like his Glastonbury performance last year was really incredible vocally. So I think he will know exactly how to get the best of his voice um, on the night. He's, you know, this isn't his first time at the rodeo. I don't know. Have you met him before? Have you interviewed him before? Have you had many interactions with him? I've interviewed him a couple of times. I've interviewed him in person, um, and I've interviewed him on Zoom when we we're in the pandemic. So I've I've I mean, I can't say that I know him. I've interviewed him twice for about an hour apiece. He's a very charming, open guy, very switched on, um, and understands pop music uh and pop stars. I remember like the last time I interviewed him, which I think was early 2021, it might have been last year. I was asking him about. Collaborating with Kylie because years and years did a song called "Starstruck" where Kylie like jumped on the remix, and he said, "You know the thing about Kylie Minogue is she's this like huge superstar who we all look up to, but you also kind of feel like she could be your friend, and there's no one else who's like that." And I thought that was a really perceptive thing to have said. Like he clearly understood what makes Kylie unique as a pop star. So the reason I bring that story up is I think this is someone who really understands um, how to present himself in public how things will come across. And that really bodes well for Eurovision, where you have three minutes to make a, a huge impression on the whole continent. I think he's a, a very savvy and switched-on operator, basically, and someone who also really, really loves pop music, which, again, also bodes well for Eurovision.
3: Nick, thanks very much for your time. Shall we put a date in the diary for whenever it is in the new year when the song comes out and we'll get your reaction to the
2: song? Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I don't know when we might expect it, I guess maybe February and March in a way maybe even earlier like the fact they've made this announcement maybe they're kind of priming it for January who knows who knows indeed Nick thanks very much for your time uh, have a good Christmas and
3: New Year and we'll chat to you in 2024. Thank you.
1: When you aren't listening find us on social media at Euroture Podcast on Twitter and Instagram
6: brilliant to have Nick Levine on the podcast. He always has some exciting hot takes and some fascinating insight on the UK and Eurovision and and the music scene more generally. I feel like Nick is very good at putting context on stuff that's happening in the world of Eurovision.
3: Yeah, definitely. And and as I said there, I think we've put a a little pencil mark in the diary for whenever it'll be that the the song is revealed, because I feel like he's definitely going to have some thoughts on the song itself. So we'll chat to Nick again uh, in the new year. And given everything that Ollie has said, I don't think it's going to be that long until we hear that song. Exactly. We, we should say it. we don't know when the song is going to be released. Maybe uh, it'll be released this week, next week. It might not we're even all, be 2024. are busy, Ollie. Don't do it next week. <laughs> Honestly, me and James need a break. Don't do it next week. Uh, speaking of next week, before we wrap up today, uh, do you want to tease ahead to uh, the special episode that we've got next week? When you say tease, shall I tell them who it is?
6: Mmm, no. Okay, I was gonna tell <laughs> you, I was gonna tell you everybody that James has told me I'm not allowed to. Uh, okay, I, go I, on, go on, you're No, allowed. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not doing it. Uh, basically, I have had a really lovely long conversation with someone who was I was going to say very important in the organisation of the contest in Liverpool. I would argue the most important person in the organisation of the contest in Liverpool. It seemed like the right thing to do for our final episode of 2023 to properly close the book on Liverpool to reflect on the contest. And then when we come back in January, we are full steam ahead to the contest in Malmo. So yeah, in your podcast feeds on Wednesday, the 27th of December,
3: a lovely treat for you and I hope you'll enjoy it. Yes, indeed. I've had a, a little listen so far, and I know they say uh, to you very early on, actually, in that chat, that they were very thankful for the opportunity to come on the podcaster and have their say to sort of look back and, as you say, sort of close that chapter uh, of Eurovision 2023. Well, James, I think it is probably time for us to go. I am off for
6: my, I don't know how many it's probably now, eighth Christmas lunch of the season. <laughs>
3: Well, I've got some presents to wrap, actually, so I'm going to go and do that. You go for your lunch. I'm going to go and wrap some presents, and we'll be back with you all in seven days' time. Uh, In the meantime, don't forget you can subscribe, leave us a review, and rate us five stars. Uh, Don't forget as well to follow us online. We are at Eureka Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and you can email us hello at eurekapodcast.com. From me, James, it is goodbye and Merry Christmas. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye and Merry Christmas.